So friends, good morning and happy new year. I am not sure what this um, New Year's Eve was like for you, um, but on our side of the island, the rain did not uh, squelch our neighbor's fireworks, their aerials, their booming explosions, and their sparkly firecrackers. We all survived. The kids had a blast. Our cat, um, not so much. Uh, she hid underneath the bed and she loudly meowed her displeasure pretty much all night. So whenever you'd walk by the bedroom, you just hear a loud meow. <laughs> Poor thing. So if you ever want to have a loud New Year's Eve, just send me a text. Send Pastor Dana a text and come on over on New Year's Eve. You're all invited. You'll get a front row seat to some wonderful fireworks and you won't have to spend a single cent. So you're invited next year. So here we are, we find ourselves in this new year. And even though we're beginning this new year, we're still in the season of Christmas, according to the church calendar. Yes, we are in Christmas. Christmas doesn't end until Thursday this week, 6th. And um, the 6th is going to be Epiphany, and that is the day that we celebrate the arrival of the, the Magi, the arrival of the wise men who seek the, the newborn shepherd, the newborn king of the Jews. So that's uh, what we're still waiting for. We're, we're not done with Christmas yet. So we're beginning this new year, actually, in the spirit of Christmas. We're beginning this new year leaning into the mind and heart of God who lovingly dreamed up this world, who imagined it and spoke it into being, who saw all the possibilities within people's free will within this universe and dreamed up a plan of salvation and hope available to all through the birth of Jesus. So we are here as people and as people of God because of God's good imagination. Now, the topic of imagination has been on my mind a lot over Christmas break because um, at the beginning of the break, one of our children, um, our youngest child, watched a couple videos on his device that were geared for children. You know, we have our parental settings on, and but they're geared for older children. They were a little scary for him. And it seemed that after he watched this, these videos, his, his imagination just went into overdrive, seeing all these scary things everywhere at night. So he might not, uh, he wouldn't want to get up to drink a glass of water, even if he was thirsty because he thought he saw shadows by the, by his door. He, he didn't want to use the rest bathroom because he wasn't sure what was behind the shower curtain. Poor kid, his just imagination was going uh, on overdrive after being scared. And so he kept saying, I wish I didn't have an imagination. And we tell him, no, we're so glad you have an imagination. There's just other ways of using it. You don't have to just use your imagination to imagine scary things and be scared. Uh, you can imagine other things too. And so at night we would help him imagine maybe like his favorite toy in the shadows by his door or maybe the cat hiding behind the shower curtain. He loves our cat very much. Just trying to invite him to use his imagination in different ways. And then I was relieved when I saw him practicing a very good use of his imagination in the days leading up to Christmas as he went underneath the tree and felt his his presence and shook them to see what they might be and felt them to see what, what maybe was there. That's a great use of imagination. And as I've been thinking about imagination, I'm thinking about how the world around us is impacted in so many ways by imagination. If you think of a gadget you use often, it might be a cell phone, it might be a car, an oven, your favorite set of golf clubs. Maybe you have a favorite app on your phone Maybe you play an instrument like guitar or piano. Each of these things came from the depths of someone's imagination before they could be a gift 
shared with the world. Each of these things came out of someone's imagination. So we, our lives, we really benefit from the imaginations of others. But our lives can also be made worse due to a lack of imagination. Right? You could actually say that pretty much almost every problem in the world is caused by a lack or a failure of imagination to see another way forward, to move through the difficult challenge in a way that brings good and thriving. All around us is a failure of imagination, a lack of imagination. And even worse, sometimes the imagination of evil to bring about really difficult and horrible things in the world. Now on our side of things, sometimes we can't see our own failures of imagination until after the moment has passed. Um, I was reading this week about how the very first cars, um, horseless carriages, they were called a devil wagon. And newspapers printed things like, the horse is here to stay, but the automobile is just a novelty. I think about that. I'm like, well, it's really easy to see that as a failure of imagination. I mean, who here today owns a horse and uses it to get around? Very few of us. You know, we don't live in that future. No, we have, we have cars. I think of Thomas Edison, and he was the, the person who first created the, um, the widely available electric light bulb that you could buy. And he was a guy with lots of imagination, and he faced actually a lot of movers and shakers of his day who, who didn't have the kind of imagination he did. After he, he put his electric light bulbs for sale, um, some of the leaders of his day said that it would be a, quote, conspicuous failure. And yet, that's what we use to light our houses now. And even as, as bright, pun intended, as Edison's imagination was, he had his own limits. It was a former disgruntled um, employee of his, Nicholas Tesla, who created this idea of alternating current that now we use to power everything. Like everything in your house comes from this form of alternating current called AC power. So if you plugged your cell phone in today or unplugged it, or you turned on your coffee maker or opened your fridge to get your favorite uh, drink or a snack out of, you're using this form of alternating current that comes from Nikola Tesla. And Edison thought it was a joke. He said, fooling around with alternating current is a waste of time. Nobody will use it, ever. And now it's all we use. I think that just goes to show that even people with a great imagination can sometimes suffer from a lack of imagination a failure of imagination, you could say. And as you and I prepare for the new year ahead, which takes imagination, I want us to look at the story of Jesus and learn from the story of Jesus and how we can cultivate a holy imagination, an imagination that is connected to God's imagination, that sees the possibilities in us and in the world around us, where we are able to grow into God's good future and into an awareness of our true self in Christ too. I just have to say, I love our text for today. I know as a pastor, I should say I love all scripture equally, but this is a really cool story. Um, in my opinion, it's the only story in scripture that we have of Jesus as a growing child on the cusp of adulthood. He's 12 years old in this story. And in the Jewish tradition, 13 is when boys became officially a man. So he is still a child, but he's growing into his true self. I love this passage. It's in the book of Luke. So we're continuing in the book of Luke from where we were um, as we leaned into the Christmas story last week. So here we are, Luke chapter 2, verses 41 through 42. You can read along with me on your phone, on the worship notes that we have linked to. Um, we have worship notes linked to this. Um, maybe someone can put them in the chat section. They're on our website right now, wellspringhawaii.org. 
So Luke 2 verses 41 through 52. Friends, hear the word of the Lord. Each year his parents, that's Jesus's parents, went to Jerusalem for the Passover festival. When he was 12 years old, they went up to Jerusalem according to their custom. After the festival was over, they were returning home, but the boy Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem. His parents didn't know it. Supposing he was among their band of travelers, they journeyed on for a full day while looking for him among their family and friends. When they didn't find Jesus, they returned to Jerusalem to look for him. After three days, they found him in the temple. He was sitting among the teachers, listening to them and putting questions to them. Everyone who heard him was amazed by his understanding and his answers. When his parents saw him, they were shocked. His mother said, child, why have you treated us like this? Listen, your father and I have been worried. We've been looking for you. Jesus replied, why were you looking for me? Didn't you know it was necessary for me to be in my father's house? But they didn't understand what he said to them. Jesus went down to Nazareth with them and was obedient to them. His mother cherished every word in her heart. Jesus matured in wisdom, in years, and in favor with God and with people. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So here in this text, this text, this story describing this very interesting scene in Jesus's life where he's really growing into an awareness of his true self, awareness of who he is in God. We see actually a couple different competing imaginations. The first imagination I see in this text is the divine imagination. This is God's imagination. And only God could imagine that God could become human like Jesus, in Jesus. Only God could imagine a family that combines divinity and humanity together. Only, only God could have thought of that. That's the divine imagination right there that puts Jesus, it, it puts Jesus into a family with Mary and with Joseph. And I think of here at Wellspring, we have all these different families representative here, right? All of us, our families look different than each other. We have families we choose, families of friends, we have families that you create or procreate. Yet who could have imagined a family like Jesus, his father in heaven, his mother Mary on earth, his stepfather Joseph? That is the divine imagination. And here, this, we, here in the story, we see Jesus talking about needing to be in his father's house. And can you imagine that as he said that, how jarring it must have been for Joseph to be standing there, his, his stepfather, to be hearing Jesus say this? Because Joseph looked like his dad. Only the imagination of God could have dreamed up a family like this one, could have dreamed up God in our world, in Jesus. So we see the divine imagination in this text. We also see the imagination of Jesus's parents, right? They thought that Jesus had gone with them on their yearly trip from Jerusalem for the Passover. They thought Jesus was back with them on the road to Nazareth. And they had done this for many years and they just imagined the trip would go how it had always gone. Right? They've been doing this for so many years. And so it didn't go as they imagined. And instead, their minds began to fill with worry. Right, we would, When they see Jesus in verse 48, Mary says, why have you treated us like this, child? They were worried. So their own imagination filled in the gaps with Jesus being missing. Their imagination filled in the gaps with worry and with bad things happening. Right, So we see the imagination of Mary and Joseph in this passage. And then we also see... Thirdly, Jesus' imagination. 
And I love how Jesus' imagination is deeply attuned to the divine imagination. Jesus' imagination. Something in him has realized he isn't just the son of Joseph, but he's also the son of God in whose house he needs to be, whose words he needs to hear and wrestle with. See, Jesus has been growing and maturing, realizing more and more his identity, his call, who he is in God, how he is God and human. We can call this deepening of his mind and soul. We can call this a growth of the holy imagination in Jesus as he grows into his true self. So we see these, these competing imaginations in the text, the divine imagination, the imagination of Mary and Joseph, and then Jesus's, which is actually closely attuned to the divine imagination. It's not in competition with it. It's moving in harmony. As I think about Jesus growing into his true self in God, as I think about this deepening of mind and heart, as I think about the growth and the cultivation of, of his imagination, so attuned to God's, I think, isn't this what we want for ourselves? To grow into our true selves? To realize more and more of God's heart and hope for our world? In 2022, I want us to be living into God's envisioning of the future, and I can imagine you do too. But it takes a holy imagination to do this. The good news is that each one of you here have a holy imagination. As you come to faith in Christ, you are given the gift of the Holy Spirit who comes and lives on you. And that is the spark of God's imagination at work in you. Each one of you envisioned a start to your week and to the year where you joined us online, where you clicked on a link and you worshiped with us, where you lean into the word, where you sang, where you prayed. That takes holy imagination to do this. If you're watching online and uh, you're listening to a recording, something in you clicked on that link. That takes a holy imagination to say, maybe, maybe I want to spend some time this way. But how are we supposed to cultivate and grow this spark of holy imagination so that it matures in us, so it grows up, even as Jesus had to mature and grow up? I think there's three things in this text uh, that we can cultivate, um, three areas for us to cultivate a holy imagination. I'm going to move through them pretty quickly. Um, and as, as we get, um, as we start to fill in those, those blanks in your notes, as we start to move through these three areas to cultivate a holy imagination, I just want to stop and say that um, I want to acknowledge that some of you here might not feel like you have an imagination. Might be listening and being like, well, that's great, but I'm not creative. I don't have an imagination. And I would just like to gently um, challenge the assumption that you don't have an imagination. And I would say that you probably have a very active imagination, even if you're not aware of using it. Every single day, when you get up and you plan for your day, you're using your imagination. You're envisioning what the day might be like. If it's raining outside and you grab an umbrella, you're using your imagination because you realize if you don't go out in that, it's going to be wet. You might get wet. You're envisioning this. If you drive and you drive defensively, you use your imagination. It's what helps us slow down as you pass by schools or children playing, right? You don't want anything bad to happen, so you drive defensively and slowly. If you listen to podcasts, read books, or watch TV, you use your imagination as you reflect on and envision the world created by the author as you wrestle with what you've been hearing. If you've ever worried before, do we have any worriers in here? I've worried once or twice in my life. Uh, or every day, if you're a worrier, you use your imagination to worry as you think about the what ifs in life, as you feel the stress of how it might feel if they were to happen, that's you using your imagination. If you work with your hands 
doesn't matter the medium. You're using your imagination to bring something to life. When you pray, when you read scripture, you use your imagination. You're using your imagination as you enter the text, as you offer your requests to God and hope for a better future. That takes imagination, friends. If you are doing any New Year's resolutions, um, I'm personally not a New Year's resolution person, but if you enjoy doing that or you have a vision board, you're using your imagination to envision a different future for yourself and you're making plans to step into it. So friends, each one of you have an imagination, you have a holy imagination, and we can cultivate it. So with that in mind, we have the disclaimer aside. You got it? You all have an imagination? Yes. <laughs> okay, I can see your little, your little heads nodding. Yes. Okay, let's go ahead and, and look at our notes. Three areas to cultivate a holy imagination. The first one is with your mind. Be open to God working through the unexpected. As you're cultivating a holy imagination, first with your mind, be open to God working through the unexpected. In verse 43 of our text, Jesus' parents faced the unexpected as they realized Jesus was no longer traveling with them. It's the unexpected and it was an awful unexpected. I mean, isn't that every parent's worst nightmare that you're gonna lose your child? I, I once got separated from one of my children in Savers, and it was very traumatic for him as well as for me. I, I Thankfully, I trained him while he's waving his hand. Yes, Andre, that's you. <laughs> Three times. Really? You got lost so many times. Dang. Thankfully, I trained him well. He went right up to the checkout counter, and he asked to page me. So he literally paged me. He stayed there with a nice Filipino auntie. I was able to find him. It was fantastic. Uh, Except it was horrible. Who loses their child? It's terrifying and awful. And I think of how awful Mary and Joseph must have felt when they lost their child. Not just for a couple minutes, but for a whole day. It's awful. I mean, think of the, for those of you who have furry children, those of you who have pets, can you imagine going on a walk for your dog and then coming home dragging an empty leash and your spouse says, where's the dog, honey? And you're like, what? and you realize the dog's not there. I mean, it's a terrible feeling. I'm sure you can imagine it. It is the unexpected, and it's not the good unexpected. It's the bad unexpected. And yet, in our story for today, God was working in this unexpected situation. In this story, Jesus is growing into his true self, and he needed that extra time in his father's house. Jesus needed to wrestle with some scripture texts that maybe only the best and brightest Bible scholars of his day could have helped him come to his own conclusions with. Jesus needed to be in his father's house. Something was, was percolating in and bubbling up in him and he needed to be there. So he was open to God's unexpected for him to stay there instead of traveling home with his parents. And um, I, I love Mary when she's reunited with Jesus. Um, she in verse 48 says, why have you treated us like this? <laughs> She's so honest. She shares her true feelings with Jesus. And at the same time, she is open to what Jesus has to say. She's opening, she's open to Jesus' dawning realization of his identity, open to learn from him. She doesn't understand the answer he gives, but she listens anyway. And she's open to God working through the unexpected. And friends, this year, there are going to be so many unexpected events in your life, in my life, in our shared life here at Wellspring. Will we be open to God working through the unexpected as we cultivate an alternate way of viewing our life in the world with Jesus, as we cultivate this holy imagination? 
See, this holy imagination, this one that's connected to God's, that sees God's possibilities, it's not found. It's formed. You and I cultivate it. The first area is with our mind. The second area we can cultivate a holy imagination is with our actions. We can cultivate a holy imagination with our actions. So we fluidly adapt to what's needed. As we fluidly adapt to what's needed. You and I can cultivate a holy imagination with our actions as we fluidly adapt. I love how in our passage for today, um, when Mary and Joseph realized that, Joseph, that, that Jesus isn't traveling with them, how they fluidly change their plans. They leave their traveling partners. Who knows if they leave their luggage, they, they went straight back to Jerusalem where they searched for three days. They acted quickly to adapt to the situation at hand. It was a situation they hadn't planned for, but it led them deeper into God's imagination for their family and for their son. And Jesus, he had to fluidly adapt too, right? He listened to his soul and his heavenly father, and he stayed behind. He disrupted their plans. And after his parents found him and he saw their response, Jesus knew he had to go back with them. So he fluidly adapted to what was needed. He went back. He went back to Nazareth where he listened to them. We see Jesus fluidly adapting, not just here, but also as he begins his ministry 18 years later, at the wedding of Cana, pouring water into wine. And friends, you and I can cultivate a holy imagination too with our actions as we fluidly adapt to what's needed. As I take a step back um, at the end of the year, I was looking, just thinking about um, our time at Wellspring over the past year and just thinking about how, how many ways we've had to fluidly adapt. Um, as a church in 2021, we sold our church building. We were freed from the leasehold that is expiring in now 13 years. And we were able to stay on in part of the building as renters. That's a huge change that we were fluidly um, open to adapt to. Now we're able to open up parts of our budget to further invest in the life and ministries of the congregation. We're, we're fluidly adapting to what's needed. Whether it's with COVID, whether it's adapting to what's needed with God's renewal for us at this time in our church's story whether it's us adapting to what the world needs around us at this time where there's so much fracturing and there's so much need for the goodness and the justice and the grace of God in the world around us. We can cultivate a holy imagination as we fluidly adapt to what's needed. And friends, as I think about um, my own life, I wonder about for you, what situation might you have that you need to adapt to right now? A situation you might need to be fluid with that will help you Cultivate God's holy imagination in you. Just take a moment and think about that before we go to number three in your notes. Final way we can see how we can be cultivating God's holy imagination in us is with our heart, with your heart. We can hold God's words near by remembering and reflecting. So we can cultivate God's holy imagination with our mind, with our actions, with our heart. Your mind, your actions, and your heart. Hold God's words dear by remembering and reflecting. And we, we see at the end of this, uh, this scripture story in Luke 2.51, um, verse 51, that Mary treasured every word in her heart. Now, depending what scripture uh, translation you're using, it might say she um, treasured all these things in her heart. She cherished these things in her heart. But 
the in, in English it might be translated as things, but in the Greek it's the word rhema, and it means word or utterance. It's usually associated with the spoken word or with discourse. So, so Mary, she treasured every word. She held them close, letting her mind and her heart meld together, reflecting, remembering in her deepest self as she made meaning. She continued to wonder and make connections as God's holy imagination was cultivated in her. I think it's so interesting that in this text we see Jesus. We see Jesus growing in maturity. Right? He's being filled with God's holy imagination. But we also see Mary growing in maturity and cultivating a holy imagination too. And she would need this in her life as her son Jesus grew up. Mary needed a holy imagination as she was open to God working through the unexpected to face her son Jesus growing up. As her husband died and as her son began his ministry and began to say and do things she didn't understand and possibly didn't even agree with. Mary needed a holy imagination in her actions as she adapted to what was needed in the moment. She was one of the very few who stayed by Jesus' side as he underwent the worst of what humanity could do as he was executed on a cross. She was one of the very few that went to the tomb three days later and discovered it empty and Jesus alive. She was one of the few in the upper room waiting for the Holy Spirit to fall. And how did she do that, friends? It's because she cultivated a holy imagination in her in her mind, in her actions, in her heart. She grew this by cherishing the words of God. I think about what Jesus was doing in the temple. Let's just go to the, back to that for a second. What was he doing? He was talking about the word of God. Jesus, the word of God, was spending time in the word. He was asking questions and listening from the scriptures, the Hebrew scriptures in the Old Testament. If Jesus needed to do that to grow into his truest self, to who he was in God, if Jesus needed to do this to grow in maturity, then so do we. So do we. And Mary, she grew this in herself as she pondered these words, as she treasured them in her heart. Friends, every year at Wellspring, um, our community spends time picking a word of the year. And it's a time when each of us reflect maybe on a word that stood out to us maybe in something we read or something we heard. It might be something during the season of Advent, um, a word or phrase that, that really came to life for us that we've been thinking about. And we, we choose this word as a accompanying word to walk with us into the new year, uh, to, to lead us deeper into who we are in God and what God has for us for the year. It's one that we, we trust the Holy Spirit will work and, and talk through, work through with us. Um, Last year, I had my word right away. The word was agile, and I got it from uh, this passage in Habakkuk and in Psalms where they talk about God making their feet like the feet of a deer. And, and this idea of agility and how God gives agility. And so I thought, wow, I really need to have some agility. Things are really tough and uncertain in the world around us. And so I chose that word, and oh, friends, it was a good word of the year, but I wish it had been a word like excitement or abundance or joy because man i had to be agile so many times last year and it just was not fun <laughs> but it was the right word for me um and this year i don't have a word yet i'm still percolating on it and maybe you have an idea of what you want your word to be you know exactly what it is that's great please write it down we're going to be slowly gathering our words over the next month um slowly bringing them in and 
last year we actually um just have to say this last year we wrote down our words on these little stars that we mailed out to everybody and we put them on some branches behind um behind the preacher uh on the on the uh, platform in the sanctuary and those star words stayed there all year to kind of remind us of what the word we had chosen was and how we can be living into that so this year we're, we're going to do something a little different and we'll be um, asking you to be thinking about your words and writing them down and in february we'll be gathering them in a, in a different uh, unique way where we can be displaying them, but in a different sort of way. So be thinking about what your word might be. If you have your word, great, write it down. Um, as a pastor team, uh, we spent some time thinking and praying over what we wanted Wellspring's word of the year to be. And we actually wound up choosing three words of the year. <laughs> we can do that, right? <laughs> we have lots of pastors. We should pick a word for each pastor. Um, we, we chose three words of the year. We need like four or five, and we can just keep adding them on. Uh, the three words we picked were words that had surfaced um, in our time of envisioning of what we feel God has for Wellspring in the, the chapter ahead. And the, the words for Wellspring are mending, equipping, and releasing. And those are the words we talked about in our sermon series leading up to Advent as we talked about why Wellspring, why church. And those are online if you want to go back and listen to any of those. So our three words of the year for Wellspring are mending, equipping, and releasing. And every single worship series we do this year is going to be tied in some way to one of those words. As we're able to lean into what God has for us as a, as a community of disciples of Jesus who are mending, who are being mended by God and who are sent on a mission of mending. People who are being equipped and formed um, to be the disciples of Jesus uh, we're meant to be, and people who are released into the world, um, who are free to be our true selves, freed to serve in our communities, free to be whole, holistic, and, and serving healthily. So those are the three words for Wellspring we're going to be focusing on. But whether or not you, you picked a word yet for the, the new year, I do want to invite you to be thinking about what God's possibilities are for you as we seek to cultivate this holy imagination in a way that deepens our soul, in a way that connects us with God and others, in a way that sees the world as God does. Jesus in this story is leaning into his true self, his maturing self. So is Mary. I'm assuming Joseph is, even though we can't hear him in the text. I'm really excited to hear from Joseph in the world to come because we like, never get to hear Joseph speaking. I'm sure he spoke a lot. We just, we just don't get to hear him. So one day we'll hear Joseph. We see these, these three people moving in maturity. It makes me wonder, how can we be doing the same thing? How can we be living more into our true selves? Not our false selves, our true selves. And not our best selves either. You notice I, I'm always using the word true self and not best self. And if I can just be allowed to have a really quick rant here, let me just say why I'm using the word true self instead of best self. And that's that Jesus, he, as he lived into his true self, he lived into who he was as God and human. He lived into God's call and vocation on his life. He didn't live into his best self because I think Jesus' best self, would that have ended on a cross? That doesn't seem very successful. It doesn't seem like a wonderful achievement. I don't think anyone would say Jesus' best life now was to end at a cross executed by the religious and political leaders of his day. That wasn't Jesus' best life. Jesus' best life was staying in heaven. And yet God chose another way. God chose a way bringing God's own imagination into our world so it could grow, so we could be part of God's future for us, for the benefit of ourselves, for the whole world. 
So I, I don't say best self because best self has connotations of success and achievement. And although it might be part of your true self journey, it's not necessarily part of it. So friends, as we lean into this new year, as we invite God to, to grow God's holy imagination in us, and as we take steps to cultivate that holy imagination with our mind, with our actions, with our heart, will we choose to lean into that? God's imagination is at work in you. It's growing. Will we grow with it? At the beginning of this last week, um, we lost a, a world leader, a light, a child of God with a robust divine imagination. He could see the mess that was his country. He saw the deep fracturing and the violence in it. And he called them to live in ways that glorified God and how they treated each other. He saved lives. The person was the priest and Archbishop Desmond Tutu, who is now with God. His lived witness to Jesus fueled his holy activism that helped bring an end to forced segregation apartheid in every area of life in South Africa. And he encouraged the people of South Africa to see a way forward for all of them that included public confession of sin and a justice that was restorative, not punitive. His book in 1999 called No Future Without Forgiveness challenged and called for a cultivation of a holy imagination to see a way forward closer to how God sees it, to live into God's possibilities for them. Friends all around us, on earth and in heaven, we are surrounded by people who cultivated this holy imagination in them, who lived into their, their truest self, who lived into God's possibilities for them and for their community. So can we, this year in our mind, our actions, in our heart, let's lean in to the way God sees 2022, cultivating that beautiful vision of how to see that brings us into God's future for us and for our world. May it be so.